Coming up on This Week in Games, Sionics explores a world without loot boxes. The Writers Guild Awards give the big old middle finger of the game writers, and industry legend Ralph Koster is getting back to his MMO roots. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we had another thrilling week in the industry that keeps on giving. You know the drill. I'm going to run down all the news that I thought was important this week, and hopefully it lands in under 20 minutes. Let's kick it off. First off, big shifts in free-to-play monetization as Rocket League developer Psyonix has decided to ditch loot boxes. Epic's putting their anti-loot box rhetoric where their mouth is as one of their own subsidies is foregoing loot boxes in favor of, well, basically loot boxes, but where you know what you're getting before you pay for them. So blueprints will replace the existing loot box systems. Effectively, blueprints are loot boxes of randomly chosen items. However, the main difference is the player knows exactly what is in a blueprint before they pay to open it. This is kind of seen as one of the big alternatives to outright loot boxes in a game. Effectively, you still keep the loot box systems. You don't have to change your economy or mechanics, but you disclose the contents before opening. I guess the other alternative that's pretty popular right now by Tencent popularizing it is subscriptions, though it isn't as easy to convert uh, you know, an in-app purchase kind of game system built on impulse purchases to support subscriptions. Now, you could argue that premium is another option, but likely a no-go as Apple Arcade effectively values 100 premium games as $5 a month, so good luck competing with that. It's pretty interesting. Um, God, I, I, I don't know. Like, I could see loot boxes where you know the contents of the box being effective if in turn those loot boxes that you don't want to open also could be kind of additive to your gameplay progression. So it's like in Puzzles and Dragons, you had the PAL slot machine, and you also could pull, you know, repeat creatures, and you could either, like, fuse them or do other things with them to help you progress. Maybe loot boxes that you don't want to open get turned into some kind of, like, soft currency or some kind of uh, secondary currency, and you could use those in other options. I could see that work. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean... The thing is, if you know what's in a loot box and you know it's an ultra rare, you have to buy it. So in that turn, I, I almost see conversions going up at that point. But, uh, you know, you definitely see your 1%, 2% spenders that are, you know, frankly addicted to opening loot boxes. You know, their LTVs will probably go down. So it's a trade-off. I mean, it's kind of like, where are your spenders now? And if your game has a large breadth of users that aren't converting and you think they'll convert under this new system, it's probably worth it to offset your biggest spenders to support this. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited to see where free-to-play goes because, you know, we had a report this week. CPIs are hitting record highs. They said a CPI with a guaranteed cost to spend, not guaranteed cost to spend, it, it costs about $35 to get a user to spend in your game to get a user to install, to register, and to convert in your game, it costs $35 the total CPIs, right? 
conversions are actually going down year over year. Legislation is targeting gambling techniques marketed towards kids and kind of like everyone's betting on what the next big industry trend is. And it's kind of funny and sad to see at the same time that no one's betting on outright premium games where you make content and price the game appropriately for that content. So interesting to see. Um, Good free-to-play options. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Next up, Tencent acquires a stake in FunCon. So Tencent, the stock market index for the game industry, has decided to take a minority stake in FunCon, developer best known for Conan Exiles. The 29% stake will make Tencent the largest shareholder in the Norwegian developer. Hmm, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to say about these Tencent acquisitions or, you know, Tencent buying up stock in random companies. I guess the only thing that FunCon you know, has been in the news lately as Funcom recently announced they'll be working on an MMO based on the Dune IP, which likely has to do with the upcoming 2020 film. They're going to try to actually make Dune into a film for like the third time. We'll see if it happens. So interesting play. I don't, I don't know. I mean, could you even see Tencent publishing a Dune MMORPG in China. Does it even make sense? What are they doing? Who knows? They have too much money. And another news this week, (laughs) the biggest slap in the face of the game industry this week comes from the Writers Guild Awards. So the WGA said it will no longer hand out awards to video game writers, but don't worry, a representative said, quote, however, the category will be reinstated when there is a critical mass of video games covered by the WGA in order to provide a meaningful award selection process, end quote. Reading between the lines, that could possibly mean that game writing is so terrible that there aren't enough games that qualify as high-quality writing to even bother handing out awards to. Now, how terrible is our industry? (laughs) That's pretty insulting. Um, Actually, there's another article to follow up this one. It points out that only writers that aren't video game writers exclusively are eligible for nominations. So if you were a writer for film or tv and then you also wrote for video games that would make you eligible for a nomination in the video game category now reading between those lines it basically means the wga hates video games and is coming up with a bunch of like kind of like reasons and excuses on why they shouldn't give out awards to video game writers so Kind of the same sentiment, different technicalities. All right, let's get to business news. Game industry icon Ralph Koster announces a new MMO-focused studio, Playable World. So Ralph Koster, most known for his design work on Ultima Online and Star Wars Galaxy, has publicly announced that his new MMO studio does exist. It's been rumored for a while and that he has secured $2.7 million in seed fundraising. The seed fundraising round was laid by Game industry mainstay, Bitcraft Esports Venture, and also included newcomer in the game investing world, 1UP Ventures. Both of these are mentioned kind of every week. I think 1UP was two weeks ago for another studio. Bitcraft Esports Ventures was a few weeks before that. These guys are pretty common. Um, Koster said his studio, Playable Worlds, is creating, quote, an online world where a broad range of players can find a home, whether they prefer play styles, exploring, adventuring, socializing, crafting, or player versus player combat. To me, that reads <laughs> very unfocused, sounds very ambitious, which both of those things mean it's very expensive. MMOs cost so much money. 
And a lot of it's art assets, but it's also like you have to build out the server costs and infrastructures and keep them running and blah, blah, blah. There's so much content because players just get on these things and competitively grind. They're so expensive. So you're going to tell me that not only are you going to do PvP, you're going to do exploration as an entire MMO concept, adventuring as an MMO concept, socializing, crafting, and all these are going to be so in-depth that players can just specialize and do one every day. <sighs> I don't know. So Raph Koster is uh, kind of a famous mainstay in game development, academia, and de game design theory. So now let's see him put his years of giving topics and writing books to the test. I'm pretty excited to see what Playable Worlds does. You know, I'm, I'm a sucker for any MMO, really. And uh, let's see what this ambition leads to. Next up, Unity acquires Chili Connect, a live game management platform. So Unity's been on a tear lately. Uh, just weeks ago, Unity acquired LiveOps Analytics from Delta DNA and now acquires a LiveOps management platform, Chili Connect. Chili Connect gives developers easy ways to manage economies, run A-B tests, run special events, among other things. You know, ev everything you think of that isn't your straight-up analytics reporting Chili Connect seems to do all the other stuff, so it makes sense. Unity looks like they're trying to cut off all third-party tools that sit on top of or adjacent to Unity games at their knees and keep all services for Unity games in-house within Unity. And Unity has to do something with their $150 million in Series E funding, so kind of makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary that Unity's... Unity's like slowly becoming the Google of games. Like they're they're gonna have a product and a solution and every single vertical or B2B cause for a game developer. And it's kind of getting crazy. I think out outright there's only a few things they're missing. They're missing a modeling, rigging, and animation suite. They kind of have a 2D animation suite, though it's skeletal 2D animation. Um what else are they missing? Like I don't know, maybe a payment processor? Like, like what? Unity is, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, they keep growing. They keep heading towards their IPO. They're dead set on getting that $6 billion plus evaluation. And now they keep acquiring companies. So who knows where they're going to stop. And some more business news. Sadly, a wave of layoffs hit communication platform Discord. The layoffs were an unconfirmed number, but seemed to have only affected the marketing department. And honestly, I doubt this is a proxy for Discord struggling because they keep breaking user milestones and have claimed over 250 million users have used Discord earlier this year. So let's round everything up with some people news. Chairman of Worldwide Studios at Sony Interactive Entertainment, Sean Layden, departs after 30 years with the company. It's pretty long. I mean, this, this person has held like everything from like tiny niche roles at development studios all the way up to VP and, you know, chairman of Worldwide Studios. Crazy. Been with the company since the 80s. <laughs> I haven't been with the company over two years. This person was with a single company starting in the 80s. So congrats to them. They haven't said where they're going after this. Next up, ArenaNet co-founder Mike O'Brien leaves after almost 20 years. O'Brien was one of the founding members of ArenaNet back in 2000 who then went on to develop Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. Um, they were acquired by uh, Nexon, I think, in 2002, 2003. Or no, not Nexon, NCSoft. That's right. 
O'Brien said he wanted to focus on making smaller games. Kind of makes sense. I mean, when you're the co-founder of a giant studio, you're kind of just hiring people to actually make the games, but you don't get to make the games yourself. Probably just wants to get back to what brought him to the industry in the first place. And finally, last story of the week, Crow Team co-founder Alan Lodovac leaves for Google Stadia. So Lodovac was the co-founder and CTO of Crow Team, the developer mostly known for the series Sam series. He is leaving after 25 years to join Google Muchen in Germany. Probably misspelled that city or mispronounced that city. He'll be working on Google Stadia. And as someone who just quit their position at Google, I say good luck with that. <laughs> All right. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave a comment. Let me know how I'm doing. I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for this week in games. Come back next week, and we'll do it all over again. Take care. Bye.